Hello and welcome to the Datapod podcast, where we will be taking you behind the scenes of ADR Scotland, a partnership formed in 2018 between the Scottish Centre for Administrative Data Research, or SCADAR, and the Scottish Government. In our Datapod podcast, you hear from our leading academics, data scientists, and those involved in Scotland's public sector data in a range of areas from children, inequality, crime and justice, to nursing, social care, work and the environment. Our administrative data research aims to deliver data-driven insights to government, charities and communities to improve people's lives and benefit society. Whether you are a data expert or want to learn more about data, we are delighted that you've joined us and we hope you'll enjoy this podcast. Without further ado... Let's hear from today's guests. Hello, I'm Harriet Baird, Engagement Lead for ADR Scotland and your chair on today's podcast. I'm very pleased to welcome two of our researchers to talk all about children's data research. Hi, I'm Maura Trainer. I'm Professor at the University of Glasgow and I'm the Lead for Children's Lives and Outcomes Research Programme, which explores a wide range of children's experiences and outcomes in Scotland. I have other relevant roles. I'm Deputy Chair of the Poverty and Inequality Commission in Scotland, and I sit on the Promise Oversight Board. Hello, uh, my name is Joanna Sorahan. I'm a Data Analyst and Research Fellow within SCADR, and I'm based at Celsius, which is the Centre for Excellence for Children's Care and Protection at the University of Strathclyde. Um, I come from an academic background in statistics and data analytics, and I also have several years experience of working directly with children and young people in the third sector. Thanks very much. So to get started, what kind of data are we talking about and what is administrative data? So administrative data largely refers to data that's collected by public bodies and other organisations and and they do that in the process of going about their their operations. So uh, if we're thinking about children's data today, that could be every time a a child sits in exam in school or visits the doctor, information will be collected on that that interaction that they have with the service. So the data is not collected for research purposes primarily, um, but it can be made available to researchers where it's deemed that the work they do will be positive um, or sort of drive positive changes in society or being the public benefit. So um, in terms of of children's data, that could be looking at analysing the factors that contribute to children staying in school longer and achieving more academically um, or having a look at what kind of care settings are most beneficial for children and young people in care in terms of their placement stability and, and their outcomes. And another big benefit of, of this type of research with administrative data is that uh, that data quite often just sits on its own within an organisation. Um, but by linking together several of these data sets for research purposes, we can then take um, information on children's care placements, say, and link it to their educational and, and their health data. And that way we can get a lot more rounded picture of what's happening for those children and young people and a better understanding of, of their experiences. So how do researchers access this data? So uh, quite rightly and understandably, there's there's strict protocols in place for that. Uh, the data is generally stored in a secure research environment and it's only accessible by um, a small number of people. And these researchers will need to go through strict approval processes and undergo training as well to make sure that they're working safely with the data. 
um, and the data itself before it's accessed is all anonymized so that no individuals can be identified. So that's really important because while with kind of this type of data, it's easy to just see it as numbers and figures, it's really important to remember that, that each piece of information that we're looking at and analyzing does relate to a real child or, or their family and experiences that they've, they've gone through. So it's important to be mindful of that um, when we're working with the data and, and communicating the results as well to make sure that, that, that people's data is treated in ways that they're comfortable with and that they're aware of as well. Thanks so much, Jana. It's great to know the levels of security in this work. So Morag, and more specifically to children, how can administrative data help us to better understand children's lives and their families? Administrative data can do so much to help us understand children and families, particularly, as Joanna said, when we link these data sets together. For example, we can link health records to census records to educational outcomes records, and we can track children across time. We can track children by their specific age groups, so we can see what happens for P7 children or S4 children. We can track children um, by place as well. We can do this geographically to see if experiences are different wherever you live in Scotland. So we have this whole population data. And as Joanna explained, it's completely anonymous. It's unidentifiable. So what we are looking for is patterns. We're looking for what happens to children at specific times, places, age, circumstances. Uh, and that allows us to see where, for example, we might support children, where we might have interventions in schools, and um, what impacts particular health conditions or disabilities might have, or particular circumstances that children face. Thanks, Morag. Now we know a bit more about this data and the potential of it. Can you tell us a bit about the um, research that ADR Scotland have been doing in this area, Joanna? Yeah, certainly. Uh, some of the work that I've been personally involved in recently was um, looking at the data that's been collected on children who've been in, in care in Scotland uh, between 2008 and 2021. And um, we wanted to have a look at that data to explore further what the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic were um, on children and young people at that time. So, as I say, we had a, a data over quite a long time period and, and through having that, we were able to look at children's care journeys over an extended period of time and see what the impacts of the pandemic were in the context of the longer term trends that, that we're seeing as well. Um, and it was a really interesting study and some quite um, important findings that we, we obtained from that work. Um, one of the most notable of which was that there was a, a really significant reduction in the number of children and young people entering care throughout the pandemic. Um, and through our work, we estimated that that was around 2,000 fewer children who entered care in the initial year and a half of the pandemic than we would have expected to based on, on pre-pandemic data. That seems like a large reduction. Was that a surprising finding? Yeah, it really was. It was known that the numbers entering care had reduced kind of from yearly data that was published, but the, the scale of it was quite significant, um, especially at a time where it was widely acknowledged that there were many additional struggles faced by children and families, and that would be due to things such as the self-isolation, poor health, the additional pressures of homeschooling. Uh, so it was quite a difficult time for children and families and to see when we would maybe expect risk factors to be increased, such a large reduction in the number of young people entering care was quite um, quite surprising. And did any other changes take place in children's social care as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, so we did, we did find other um, impacts of the pandemic as well. And as, as with many aspects of life at that time, there was a lot of change going on. So there was also a reduction in the number of children who were leaving care throughout the initial stages of the pandemic, um, also not quite to the same extent as the reduction in, in the number that were entering care. 
And we did also find that the children and young people who were in care were moving placements less. So they would be staying within one care setting, whether that was a foster carer or living with a member of a family. Uh, they were staying there for longer periods of time. So there was quite a lot of um, really important insights that we found through that piece of work uh, that can hopefully be really helpful to, to policymakers and, and those working in the area. Um, but as with all research, it also kind of threw up a lot of additional questions as well for us. So uh, as I mentioned, there, there was a large reduction in the number of children who went into care and that poses questions around well, what's happened to those those children. Did they receive other services? Will they enter care at a later stage? And and as for all these changes that we've we've mentioned, are, were they, will these be short term changes that we see in children's social care or will they be extended beyond the pandemic? So we really feel there's a lot of, kind of future work that could be done there with, with more recent data to explore that a bit further. Wow, that's really interesting. And we'll add a link of the report into the show notes for those who might want to find out more. So Morag, I think that kind of research shows how how useful this kind of information is. So how can this kind of research help the evidence base for policy and practice? So firstly, it's important to note that analysing large amounts of administrative data is one part of the evidence base, and it's a very powerful part, but it works in combination and in complementarity with other types of evidence. So quantitative data such as this, it's rigorous, it's at the population level, it shows us patterns and gives us the big picture. It allows us to look at the effects of policies or events on children and families across Scotland as a whole, as Joanna just showed with the COVID-19 pandemic on looked after children. It allows us to look at specific age groups. For example, is there an optimum time for support or interventions? So in this way, it can help practice as well as policy. As part of the wider evidence base, it works alongside data that is collected in a more qualitative way by speaking to children and families directly and finding out about their experiences personally. So these are complementary and they really form a rigorous evidence base. Large scale quantitative data can show us the trends over time and can also help us to monitor change over time. It can help us to monitor if we have an intervention, is that making change? Is that progressing? Is it improving children and families' lives? It can help us to see what works and what doesn't. Thanks, Morag. This partnership is actually um, with Scottish Government and we, you know, we work with different stakeholders um, and researchers. And what do you think the benefit of that is, Joanna, to what we're doing and, and to the impact it can have? Yeah, so for, uh, for me, the sort of partnership working aspect has been really, really important um, just in just ensuring a high quality of, of research. Uh, so. As I've said before, my background and expertise is in statistics and being a part of SCADR means that I, I work alongside a lot of colleagues who share that, that interest and also have expertise in that area. And that means we can kind of work collaboratively and to ensure that we're doing things in the most robust way and, and conducting analysis in the most informative way as well. And yeah, working alongside Scottish Government has been really important as well. So I, I worked quite closely with Scottish Government colleagues on that COVID-19 research um, in terms of um, how we can work together to clean the data and prepare it for research. And they also helped me to get a better understanding of the data set and what, what all of the variables mean and how it's collected. So that was really, really useful. And in addition to being part of SCADR, as I said, I'm, I'm based within Strathclyde University at the Centre for Excellence for Children's Care and Protection. And that means that I'm surrounded by colleagues who have a huge amount of expertise in children's social care and child protection as well, which is something that isn't necessarily in my background as much. So 
having that contextual knowledge available to me is really crucial just to make sure that I'm understanding what the data is telling me and, and how I can interpret and communicate what I'm seeing as well. So that's really helpful. The partnership working approach has really enhanced every stage of, of the work for me, I think, right through getting to know the data, planning how to actually conduct the analysis and then going on to interpret and communicate the results as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Joanna. So I guess we've been talking lots about children and data, but let's think a little bit more about the children themselves. As part of ADR Scotland's work, we've done a children's engagement pilot um, in the last year or so. So Morag, tell us a bit more about that and why are children's rights and their, their voices and their thoughts so important? As you've noted, Harriet, we are using children and families' data in our work and we have this idea of nothing about us without us. We want to include children's voices and experiences into what we do. And we want to be able to report to children and young people. We want them to be one of our audiences. There's also the commitment in Scotland to incorporate the United Nations Charter on the Rights of the Child into Scots law. It hasn't happened yet, but that commitment may well be coming. And we want to make sure that we are ready to implement children's rights in all our work. So to do this, we worked with the organisation Children in Scotland and we asked children directly about data and research. We showed them examples of our work and we asked them, how does this work for you, what we are doing? And they would give us some really good feedback on how we were presenting our work and how we could do this better. So we have this real commitment to improving children's lives, but in involving them in this work directly. As a result of that work, we produced a comic on children's rights, which can be found on SCADR's website. Now, it's actually really useful for us as researchers, too, to do this work with children and young people. It makes us think really carefully about how we report on our research findings more widely, how we make them clear and understandable, and how best to represent information in an engaging way. So while we may be doing it for children and young people, in fact, it benefits everyone. I mean, I could go on at length. This was a really exciting piece of work and it was wonderful. And we're really grateful to the children and young people that became involved with it. But it is actually a lot to say there and it could be a whole other podcast episode. Definitely, Morag. But it's great to hear that data and the stuff that we do here is not just about, not just for adults, um, it's for children too. And we're always looking at different ways to involve and hear from children. So thanks so much, Morag. So to close, thank you both very much for your insights on our work. It's been great to hear all about data and how it can help children's lives and outcomes and really make a difference. So thanks very much, everyone.